Good afternoon, and welcome to episode 66 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus daily podcast in New York, New York, uh, where it is pouring rain. I am Ben Lindbergh, and in Long Beach, California, where no doubt it is 70 and sunny, it is Sam Miller. That's exactly right. It is exactly 70, and it is extremely sunny. <laughs> so are you That's not... Because we don't have the sadness of the Yankees hanging <laughs> Right. Are you not recording from the garage now that we're doing these sort of ad hoc afternoon shows? That's correct. Well, uh, when we're recording the next day, I do them from my house. Okay. That's why we haven't heard crickets in a while. That is right. There are still a lot of crickets in case anybody is worried that the season has ended uh, for crickets. There, there will be crickets to come. Yes, I have been wondering when we will hear the last crickets, but that's one of the things that you can stay tuned to the podcast to find out. Uh, we have closure on one championship series, and we are one game away from closure in the other one. Um, should we talk about the one that's over? I think we should talk uh, exclusively about the one that's over uh, today. Hmm. Okay. We can talk about the other one tomorrow or Monday. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. We've got okay. quite a while to go before the World Series starts. Yeah. Which is kind of odd because uh, of how urgent the scheduling was up until now, and now there's just going to be a pretty long lull. Yeah, I think that it. Uh, I think that Major League Baseball's um, stated desire to not have games played in November or whatever is actually probably not as significant as their desire to start series on Saturdays mm-hmm. uh, or on weekends. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's just my my guess. I think the... I Wait, think, when are they starting it? Thursday? Wednesday, the 24th. I think the seventh game of the series, if it went that far, would be November 1st. Um, so that, I just said, is completely 100% wrong. Uh, well... No, I mean, it is earlier, I think, and that is something that they wanted to avoid. I guess uh, they didn't completely avoid any possibility of it. But it is kind of odd that um, the ALCS started one day or less than one day after the ALDS ended, uh, and now there's a possibility that both championship series will end and then both teams will sit around for five days and wait for the World Series to start. Um, I... yeah, the uh, if the LCS if the NLCS goes seven though it would only end Monday right? Yeah, I think so. so. So, yeah. I guess I don't know. What are they supposed to do? I guess you don't have much choice. No, I guess not. Um, anyway, let's talk about show. Uh, baseball. Okay. Uh, what about it? Because I I wrote a recap of it and my recap of it basically said that it was more or less a continuation of the first three games and that uh, something had to change to extend the series and nothing changed. The Tigers got another great pitching performance. The Yankees again struggled to score and they got swept as a result. Yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) Yes. I mean, you need to probably create a deeper narrative to explain what happened well yes uh there's no shortage of that certainly first off um there are two sides to this there's the pitchers and there's the hitters you i think it was wrote in advance of this series uh you you um 
quoted somebody who was quoting a scout, I think it was you, who said basically the Yankees were so bad and so out of their game, so off their game in the division series that it's not it wasn't even worth scouting them yeah. because there that there was, was like Buster only quoting someone. Yeah. So um, you watched both series. You watched this series. Would you, um, if you had to lay a percentage on how much of the Yankees' lack of offense you would attribute to the Tigers' pitching and how much you would attribute to the Yankees' offense, what would your percentage be? I think it changed halfway through the series. Um, I think the first two games, the Yankees still looked like they were uh, swinging at bad pitches and missing uh, hittable pitches. But then when the series moved to Detroit, and whether it had anything to do with that, I don't know. Whether it had anything to do with the lineup changes that were made then, I don't know. But it it seemed to me that uh, the Yankees started having better at-bats and started fouling off pitches and not swinging at as many pitches outside the strike zone uh, and making starters work more than they had up until that point. And it just kind of didn't matter anyway because it was Justin Verlander and, and Max Scherzer who were maybe the two best pitchers in baseball right now, just about. Um, so I, I think they, I mean, they did make them work. They made Verlander throw, uh, they made him throw 130 something pitches. They got Scherzer out of the game after five and two thirds. Um, so I, I think they kind of improved their approach there. I think you could say that they got themselves out in the first couple games, especially in the first game against Fister, who wasn't quite as sharp as the other Tiger starters. Um, but I, I do think they kind of ground out at bats uh, more so than they had before that in the last two games. It was just all in vain anyway. So if the um, if the Tigers had actually been able to set their rotation uh, in an optimal fashion with Verlander first and maybe Scherzer second, uh, it could have been the case that the Yankees would have um, lost to them anyway, uh, but then made their sort of transition back to Yankiness in time to beat Fister and Sanchez. We could be dealing with a split <laughs> series right now. That's possible, I suppose. Or maybe they would have been... So demoralized by facing Verlander and Scherzer and not having a chance that they would have given up completely. Who knows? Well, it's, uh, I, I hope that everybody read um, Colin's piece this week on narratives because uh, you will um, filter everything you see through that, um, that idea for a while. Uh, and the idea is that um, we find narratives to, uh, to sort of fill in uh, information gaps, but the narratives aren't necessarily compelling. They're usually, um, they're, you know, they're, there's a, well, I guess, I know you're a fan of uh, the book, The Black Swan. Is that right? Um, I, I mean, I guess. I like the idea, at least. So there's a, there's a, one of his chapters in, in the book, The Black Swan, is about how newspapers make us stupider um, because they over-explain with causes of things. So, um if a jobs report comes out uh, that is a certain number and the stock market in, uh, you know, unrelatedly goes up, the newspapers the next day will say that the stock market responded to the jobs report. And if the stock market unrelatedly goes down, the newspapers will say the job, the stock market responded to the jobs report. And so um, there's certainly, uh, I think, a lot of that going on right now. And the New York Times piece, uh, one of the New York Times pieces about 
the game yesterday is, I think, just a massive, um, uh, just a perfect example of this kind of cognitive uh, uh, dissonance that we do. The story says, it, whoop, there's RJ. Uh, the story says that, um, that, well, I'll just start quoting things. <laughs> there was too much October evidence of fundamental offensive deficiencies, mm. apparently camouflaged throughout the regular season, but revealed against postseason pitching. So that's clearly saying, hey, this is a team that is flawed and we just missed the flaws. Then mm-hmm. later on, it says, um, uh, well, and it, it goes on, uh, the Yankees were younger with harder throwing pitchers and a more opportunistic lineup built around their career prime sluggers. Uh, until CC Sabathia faltered Thursday, the Yankees had excellent postseason pitching, but their starters are either old or untrusted. And I just think that there's all of those sorts of explanations are um, uh, are you know after the fact kind of a thing. Yep. Um, the same story goes on to talk about how out of character the Yankees play was. Um, Sabathia, it says, without his A game. So mm-hmm. if Sabathia had had his A game, it's a different story. The Yankees had excellent postseason pitching, but their starters are either old or untrusted, but it wasn't a problem because they had excellent postseason pitching. Um, The usually magical Mark Teixeira had two misplays at first base, so kind of acknowledging that Mark Teixeira is a good defender, and there's nothing structurally wrong with Mark Teixeira's defense, Mm -hmm. and yet uh, the game in the series turned on it. Uh, Cabrera and Johnny Peralta's home runs, it notes their timing was perfect, just as the wind picked up in that direction. So you have these sort of two competing ideas here. One is that the Yankees were a a team that was destined to fail because they had these flaws, and the other is that, um, that the series turned on things that couldn't have been anticipated. And I think that's probably true. There's almost nothing that you could have anticipated about this series. Um, they, If the Yankees had hit seven home runs in this series, then everybody would have said that you know this is a, a powerful offense that hit 245 home runs in the regular season and, and is just too strong for even good pitching to keep down. And the fact that that didn't happen gets spun the other way. And I guess in fairness, it's not totally a second guess in that people had been saying similar things all season um, that a a team that was so reliant on home runs might not hold up in October um, which is something that I wrote about in June looking at at previous teams that were reliant on home runs and found that if anything they lost less offense in October than, than other kinds of teams do so I mean it was something that people said might be a problem ahead of time it wasn't purely something that they just fit to the results but I still don't think there's any merit to it really um I don't know I just looking at those past results and not seeing any trend that says that looking at I mean Yankees teams have been built on power and patience for most of their uh successful run over the last couple decades and I think more often than not, it works in the postseason just as well as it works at any other time. Um, so I, I don't think that the idea that there was some sort of fatal flaw to this lineup that was just exposed really holds water. So um, I, I think that we're kind of in a similar position to last year. Uh, we, maybe I am, and maybe other people like me are. I don't know if you are. But um, the Red Sox last year had that collapse down the stretch and I found myself in a position of kind of really defending them and pointing out that for most of the season they you know they were a great team that they had the best record in baseball very late in the season 
and that what happened was unexpected, but not necessarily, um, and, and, in, and it was important, it was significant, but it wasn't necessarily telling. And, and so I, you know, I think I picked the Red Sox to win the AL East. I, mm. I thought that uh, it wasn't going to be lasting. And I find that I, I think that I'm going to find myself in the same position this offseason, uh, defending the Yankees and saying, no, really, they were a really good team. They bring back a lot of really good parts. Mm-hmm. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to worry too much about next year. Um, and uh, so uh, one of the comments in a piece that I wrote um, by my friend Peter Elwood uh, said, you know, hey, are you just doing, are you making the same mistake with the Yankees that you made with the Red Sox? And so I wonder, do you think that I am, if if I do that, do, do you think it was a mistake to defend the Red Sox? Do you think it will be a mistake to defend the Yankees or um, or what? No, I, I mean, I guess in the thing I just finished writing, I sort of defended the Yankees and, and said that there's no need to blow the thing up and rebuild it. Not that that's something the Yankees really do. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I could see... The only structural problem I can see is not so much the way the team is built or how it scores uh, as much as it is the age of the roster, which is very, very old. And that is a, a real problem. And um, that is something that that should cause you, I think, to be a little more wary of the team's future. But at the same time, the Yankees have been... I mean, they've tended to be an old team... Uh, really probably always but certainly in recent years because they're a team that's often built on free agency to a large extent because they have the money to buy free agents and free agents tend to be older because they've already had six years of service time somewhere Um, and so they're almost always in the position of having old guys who are declining and just kind of hoping that they're still productive enough that that they can win and usually they do and it it almost always works for them um so no i don't think so and and i mean the red sox collapse was something that went on for a month uh and then it was accompanied by all the clubhouse uh dissension and the clubhouse unrest and turmoil and all that and and even if that was something that was made too much of um, in light of the collapse, it, I guess it was something that was going on and went on to some extent this season. There's really none of that with the Yankees. There's no particular sense that that this is a, a team with bad makeup, um, I, I guess. Well, I mean, aside from what people will say about Alex Rodriguez, I guess. Uh, well, I think that, that you could... First off, um, they uh, we talked in... August about the potentially developing idea that the Yankees had collapsed and were ser- simply backing into the postseason. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a there was a, a a kind of a sense of of panic around them throughout the summer. They ended up winning on the last weekend of the series of uh, of the season, the last uh, sorry series of the season, um, and then there they obviously they won the the division series. So it wasn't until the ALCS that they uh, that they lost. But the offensive collapse took place in the ALDS too, right? I mean, yeah. they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't hit either series. And as far as I mean, they might not have a bunch of bad makeup guys, but they have the Alex Rodriguez thing. They have 
players, really two of their most popular players, three if you count the uh, scattered boos for Cano, three of their most popular players getting booed. Um, and you know that there's an amplification of, of any turmoil in New York. So even if it's not necessarily a uh, makeup situation, there's certainly going to be a uh, an omnipresent um, uh, storyline about kind of happiness. Yes, I am not looking forward to living in New York for the next several months as we find out who the Yankees bring back and don't bring back and, and have to hear about this nine-game stretch for that entire time because it is still just nine games. I mean, yes, they, I guess, were worse in the second half than in the first half, but um, it wasn't a total collapse or anything. It was also the Orioles improving, and uh, I don't know. I, I guess I just looking at all the people who struggled, I mean, I guess there are concerns about Curtis Granderson in that he's kind of more of an all-or-nothing player than he used to be, and yet he is a player who hits 40-something home runs and plays center field. So how bad can that be, really? Um, I don't think anyone—I don't know if anyone is, but I don't think anyone should be seriously concerned about Cano based on his postseason um, after the season and, and the several seasons he's had. Um Swisher, it sounds like, probably will not be back, I would guess. Um, and A-Rod has vowed to return, um, which is a concern, uh, but not so much because of the postseason stuff as because of the rest of the season stuff, I would say. Um, so, I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's a team where you're going to suddenly start hearing fried chicken and beer in the clubhouse stories. It's not that kind of uh, collapse, well, I don't think. Alex Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez, <laughs> yeah, okay. That's that's almost the exact same story. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I think that I think the next time somebody asks Alex Rodriguez um, whether he wants to be traded or whatever, he should say, "I'll be back" in the in the Terminator voice. <laughs> Everybody will laugh and see what what fun Alex Rodriguez has had <laughs> is having, and he will become extremely popular. Uh, nobody will ever boo him again. Mm-hmm. I think that's all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I have a. Do you think that there's a reason? What a, a whimsical A Rod that is. <laughs> do you think That's there's what... a good chance he'll be traded? Because I just I can't see it really. Because he's not so bad that the Yankees would eat his entire contract to get rid of him. Um, yeah. And yet, it's kind of hard to imagine a team taking on a significant amount of his age 37 through 41 salary so um i i don't have any idea so um not i I don't want to imply that i have any idea my my if i had to guess though i would guess that he's gone it feels to me like he's uh that the momentum is certainly building in that direction but can you think of an example of a yankee throughout our lifetimes who um was kind of uh i don't know that 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 we got this far into the soap opera without him, without him becoming a true Yankee or leaving. I mean, yeah, it just seems like this happens every couple years or so. Um, and with somebody and, and it seems like it usually ends up with, with the trade. I'm, I'm just, I don't know, maybe I, there's probably people I'm forgetting, but has there been a, a truly, um, 
kind of a, I don't know, like a Yankee scandal that didn't end with uh, a trade eventually? Or, I don't know, scandal's the right word, but a Yankee soap opera? Mm. I mean, how close it... Nobody's ever talked about this with A-Rod before, right? It, it, this is... Uh, the Rangers wanted to trade him and eventually did. I guess the the an equivalent might be the, the Red Sox and Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, always perpetually on waivers. Yeah, and uh, it took a... It took a really long time before that ever happened. So maybe maybe the Manny precedent is telling that you can keep going mm-hmm. with the guy. But I don't know. It just it it feels to me like this is um, the storyline is the 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 storyline is going to get ratcheted up before it gets ratcheted down. Mm-hmm. And so you probably really have to imagine the news landscape in a few weeks when when it has kind of gone up a few a few levels and and it might just become impossible to take back mm-hmm. i mean they did they benched him <laughs> yes like do you remember you remember how big a deal it was when they pinch hit for him just the once mm-hmm. it was like a massive thing that i mean we were all shocked twitter went crazy it was the lead of the stories the next day and then it quickly but, became the norm that he yeah, was, was not starting that freed up it was almost like the first hit of crack <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you you just sort of you're kind of tentative, and you just test it, and you find you like it, and you get addicted to crack. I mean, it could just be that Joe Girardi loves the feeling of benching Rod, and he just can't stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, I mean, it it really just in terms of, I mean, how un, it was almost unthinkable five minutes before that pinch hitting uh, appearance by Abanez that that would happen, mm-hmm. and just two days later. It was full time benched. <laughs> I mean, like that happened really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that night after he was pinched for in the clubhouse, he said he one hundred percent expected to start the next night. Um, yeah, and then yeah, it became the norm that he was a bench player all of a sudden. And it is it's it's really even after all the coverage, it's kind of incredible that. He has this reputation or relationship with the fans as someone who has won multiple MVP awards with this team. Um, it's kind of incredible that he could be so good uh, for them for quite a while and yeah. really not build up any kind of currency with anyone. Yeah, by a on a season-by-season basis, he's got to be one of the 10 greatest Yankees ever, right? Probably. I mean, he wasn't there 19 years or whatever, so probably if we I mean, yeah, the, sets, but mm-hmm. on a season-by-season basis, mm-hmm. he, he was basically like a, what, a six-win guy on average, peaking around 10. Yeah, probably those those two seasons he had were about as good as he ever was. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible. Someone someone asked me the other day if I thought his number would be retired. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It is a good question because, I mean, if you just purely based on stats, I'm sure he stacks up very, very well compared to most of the other people whose numbers uh, have been retired, or he certainly would by the time his contract is over if he were to stay for the duration of it. And yet there just seems to be no chance that that would happen. I can't imagine that happening. Yeah, I actually did a piece for the Canadian the score uh, one time about Yankees numbers. Yes, that I remember that. And the bar is really like exceptionally high. I mean, there are some there are Hall of Famers mm-hmm. who have not been 
who there are Hall of Famers who are associated mostly with the Yankees whose numbers haven't been retired. So my guess is that the answer is no. Yeah. And I think like let's say he's produced. Um, I don't know. The, I don't know how much it is, but let's say he's a 50-win player mm-hmm. with the Yankees. I bet. I bet all their 50-win players have their numbers retired. But I bet there are guys in their 40s for sure. Like, um, uh, I think Joe Gordon mm-hmm. was around 40, and and it wasn't retired. And so I don't know. Anyway. And presumably he will enter the Hall of Fame as a Yankee, which is also weird. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I guess he. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess you, you almost have to associate him most closely with the team that seems never to have warmed up to him and now wants to get rid of him. Um, I, I don't know. I could see him. Well, I don't know. Probably if you if you look at bulk, it's probably a Yankee. But those Mariners years were really something special. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, there's. I think that you could maybe make a case that people will want to prefer to remember him as a Mariner. But yeah, he's he spent most years with the Yankees. He won his MVPs with the Yankees. He won his World Series with the Yankees. Um, although, I guess knows, he also won an MVP with the Rangers, but yeah. Maybe he'll end up going in as a pirate. <laughs> well, we tried to talk about the Yankees, and we ended up talking about A-Rod, just like everyone okay. else does. Yeah, the Tigers will get there. If everybody, if anybody's out there thinking, why aren't you talking about the Tigers? We've got a whole week and a half to talk about the Tigers. Yes. All right, that's all. Okay. We'll be back on Monday.